Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. series called Building Altars and Redigging Wells. Now, if you have no idea what um, altars or wells have to do with your life or Jesus or church, worry not. So we're going to go on a bit of a journey together. It is a title full of symbolism, to say the least. Um, so we are going to get right into it. Uh, we are going to turn to Genesis 26, 17. That's the first book in the Bible. And we are looking at a time that is approximately 4,000 years ago, where modern day Israel is, uh, is currently located. And we find ourselves in the lifetime of a man named Isaac. Now, at this point, there had been widespread famine in the land. Uh, but despite that, Isaac was doing super well. He was doing great. In fact, it said one of the years that he uh, planted his crops, he, he reaped a hundredfold. So a hundred times what he planted. So he's doing well. He's prospering. Uh, but the thing is, Isaac and his crew weren't the only people living in the area. There are also the Philistines. If you have been in church for a decent amount of time, you will know the Philistines are always the bad guys. So the Philistines, uh, the enemy in the story, they also lived in that area. And they became jealous of how well Isaac was doing. And honestly, I don't blame them. If I was struggling through famine, if things were not going well, and I'm looking at Isaac and they're having a good time with their smoothies, um, I would be like, you know what? This is not cool. Why are you doing well and we're suffering? And so they went to the king, the ruler of the area, and the king himself became actually threatened by how well Isaac was doing. So they kicked him out. They're like, Isaac, you need to go build your life with your people and your family. You need to go somewhere else. Um, so that is where we are picking up in this story. That is the background context here. So Genesis 26, 17 to 18 says this. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. The Philistines had filled them with dirt. And Isaac called them by the names which his father had called them. So Isaac ends up returning to the same land that his father once lived in, but it is not in the same condition that it once had been. Right? Uh, Isaac's inheritance there was in no way in an ideal state. So while his father, while Abraham had once dug wells there, uh, the Philistines came along. They, they filled up those wells that were once flowing with water. And so when Isaac gets there, he realizes, hey, if I'm ever going to experience prospering again, if I'm going to build up this, this life for my family and the people I am leading, I'm going to need to re-dig some wells. And I propose that this story can be looked at as a metaphor or a picture of where we find ourselves in many ways spiritually today. Right, this morning, we're going to focus on the idea of re-digging wells. Because I believe that God wants some wells re-dug. Right? Not physical ones, but spiritual wells. Um, I believe that there are some wells that God wants to open in your homes. Uh, and in this home, this church home, this family. But there's a little bit of digging still needed to be done to get those wells flowing again, 
right? We might need to break a bit of a sweat. We might need to get um, a little dirty, a little uncomfortable so we can get those clogged up wells flowing. So the title of my message is what are you digging for? What are you digging for? Kudos to you note takers out there. I see you. I'm going to pray before I continue here. God, I just want to thank you once again for the privilege and the opportunity just to talk about you this morning, just to gather um, with these people, with friends and family, just to discuss how good you are. And, and Jesus, I know that when you were walking on this earth, there is no one who loved the ancient scriptures, the, the stories of our faith more than you. And so I ask God in these next few minutes as, as I share, God, that you would just highlight yourself. You would highlight your nature. You would highlight your goodness. And um, that everyone here would just get an increased understanding of who you are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. I think we all know that water is essential to life, yes? None of us missed that class in kindergarten. Without it, we die. Uh, but also, when we don't have enough of it, life starts diminishing, so as you can probably imagine, 4,000 years ago in biblical times, in Middle Eastern terrain, water was extremely important. Wells were extremely important. And this is for many reasons, but perhaps the most obvious reason or the reason that sums up the rest of them is that wells were a life source. Everyone say life source. Life source. Amazing. With a good source of water, you had what you needed to grow food, to take care of animals, to produce a good harvest and to take care of people, obviously. And if you found yourself on land with, with a good will, you, you likely found yourself wealthy. In fact, whole communities would be built around wells. And uh, one of the commentaries I read actually compared a good well to what like a modern day coffee shop might be like. Like people would go to the wells to like business connections or maybe look for a significant other or, or exchange ideas. Where there was a well, there was life. Oh man, I really wanted to say where there's a well, there's a way. Okay, yeah. If you want to write that down, you just go right ahead. Um, on the other hand, if you didn't have a well, oh, okay guys, are you ready for this? If you didn't have a well, things would not go so well for you. <laughs> uh, I'm amazing. Okay, no. Okay, we're going to move on. If you didn't have a well, things were not great. Things got tough, right? Things just got harder. People stopped gathering. You know, things eventually started to die. Right? You could say that wells were a matter of life and death. And, and when I read the Bible and the plethora of stories that have to do with wells, I am convinced that there is a spiritual application available for us. So while there isn't a physical well underneath this building or in my backyard, I think, um, well, there are physical wells near us. I do believe there are spiritual wells that are intended to be a life source for God's people. Right? How many people here feel like they could use an extra supernatural flow of life in their world right now? Right? How many people feel like, I see you, Taylor. How many people feel like they have some areas in their life that aren't a bit on the dry side these days? How many people are feeling a bit diminished? Right? I truly believe that God wants to give you some hope today, that God wants to give you a next step today. I believe there are wells available to be redug. So let's get into some examples of what I propose these wells could be based on the Bible or what kind of um, spiritual life sources that might be hidden that you can't see, but are available to us in our homes and our churches. So number one, 
supply and provision. Both Abraham and Isaac, they prospered wherever they went because they dug wells. And these wells meant they were supplied with water to make things grow. Right? Note that not, God never supplied them with ready-made harvests. Right? God never uh, supplied them with a full herd of animals. But he did provide the water to nourish what Abraham and Isaac were planting and building. Of course, there are uh, many more stories, actually, of wells representing or water representing provision in the Bible. Um, like if you fast forward to the time of Moses... And there's more context to this, but Moses is leading all the Israelites on a bit of an extended journey in the desert and they're not doing so well. They're thirsty. They're getting desperate. And God tells all the Israelites, okay, assemble together because I am going to miraculously provide you with water out of seemingly nowhere, right? They didn't see where this provision can come from, but God was going to supply it. And after this key moment of God's supply and provision, it was so um, substantial and powerful that the people wrote a song. And the song uh, started with the line, spring up, oh well, which then worked its way into Sunday schools across the world. Um, that's in over anyway. And remember that spring up, oh well, splash, 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 splash. Thank you. Okay. Basically, Taylor's got my back this morning. <laughs> also, if you didn't grow up in Sunday school and didn't know that song, you're okay. You're just fine. Um, so there are wells of supply and provision from God to take care of his people when we are in need. Number two, I believe that there are wells that um, involve encounters with God's presence. Encounters with God's presence. This is also a common one, a common story throughout the Bible. But one of the stories I love most is about this woman named Hagar. And she had been suffering. She was being mistreated in the home that she lived in. Right? And so um, there, she was suffering abuse. So Hagar, she fled this abuse. She had a son. She, she took her son with her. And she found herself in a very desperate situation but then encountered God at a well. Right? He had seen her. He cared about her situation. And in his presence, he gave her the next step she was to take. And after Hagar's personal encounter with God, the location was named Well of the One Who Lives and Sees Me. That's in Genesis 16, 13 through 14. There are wells that flow with encounters with God's presence where we find hope and supernatural direction. And then number three, the most important well, salvation. Salvation. Long before Jesus ever came to earth, hundreds of years, there was this, um, um, this renowned prophet. His name is Isaiah. And he proclaimed in, in the book of Isaiah 23.3, he said, Therefore, with joy, one day you will draw water from the well of salvation from the well of salvation. And then when we fast forward to when Jesus is finally here, when, when he is around, there is a scenario where he meets a woman at a well, who's also in a desperate situation. And he tells her this, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain or in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John 4, 14. Amazing. There are wells of salvation. Wells where people meet Jesus and where everlasting life is found in him. I feel like I need to start sort of preaching in, in beat with the kids' music, but I'm not quite sure how to do that yet. So there's our just examples of what wells could be. Or No, okay. It's fine. Um, so those are the examples of what church wells could be. 
uh, a, a few examples of what supernatural life flows are available. And I'm skeptical on this side of eternity. We'll ever really know how spiritual wells work. We'll ever know like how they actually function or, or how many categories they are. But I think God knows that we need different wells, different flows of life in different areas in order for God's people to build his kingdom here on earth. So I do, I do believe there, there could be wells of passionate worship. I do believe there could be financial wells to, to support what God is doing. I do believe there's wells of, um, of leadership, of finances, of, of servanthood. Because when we get a supernatural flow of life from God moving into our lives, it will enable us to do the things that God has asked us to do and to attain the promises that God says he has for us. But here's the thing. These wells that we are reading about in the time of Abraham and Isaac, specifically Abraham 4,000 years ago, they were hard to dig. It was a laborious and even a, a dangerous task. It would at very minimum take three weeks to dig a well, and sometimes it would take years. But Abraham put in the time and the energy and the expense to dig these wells because he knew it wasn't just key for him and his wife and his generation to thrive, but for the generations, for his children and for his children's children. There's this beautiful proverb in um, Proverbs 13, 22, and it says, a good man leaves inheritance for his children's children. And my prayer is that our church would be a church that leaves a spiritual inheritance for our children and their children, right? That the effort and time and sacrifice that we are putting in now, it isn't just to build a cool church this year or in the next decade, but for decades to come, right? I want this to be a place where my children and Lila and Bodie and Emmett, where they, them and their kids can come here and they know that they will find a place where there's salvation. They'll find a place where they can have encounters with God, where they can have supernatural direction, where they'll be refreshed and revived, so we're going back, back to Abraham. He digs these wells. He does well. He becomes wealthy. He, he passes this on to son Isaac, who initially does well. But unfortunately, after Abraham dies and Isaac is the main guy, the wells that were supposed to refresh and revive his family and their community had been filled with dirt. The water was still down there. But Isaac could not easily get to the water that his father's generation had worked so hard to get easy access to. And God's just been speaking a lot to this about me, about how there are similar situations at play today in many ways. I know that there are people in our families. I know that there are people in our heritage, maybe, maybe people we can easily name, maybe people we don't know about. But there are people in our history who dug wells for us who prayed, who fasted, who spiritually dug into hard ground, who got dirty and worked up a sweat and took risks, not even knowing if they would actually hit water. But they did this. And I think there's a possibility that someone in here has like a great, great auntie twice removed and, and her prayers are the reason you're in church today. I think um, that there's someone from generations past who's one of the reasons that I am standing here even preaching the gospel. Right? There, there are people, there's someone who went before you, who went before us in our faith, that is one of the reasons that we're going to experience God's healing. Right? There are supernatural wells 
full of refreshing and provision and divine resource that exist that were left for us as a spiritual inheritance. We just haven't seen it in a while. Right there, there's a flow of revival and salvation and healing and worship that exists. Somebody dug it. That flow of water was tapped in before, but those wells got full of dirt. The enemy got access and blocked them up. Maybe this was drastically all at once, or maybe it was just one scoop of dirt at a time. And sometimes I often wonder how, as people of faith, we we allow Philistines to fill our wells. Like, how does this happen? Why did, we, why did we let that just happen? Why did we let the Philistines proceed with blocking our life sources? Why do we put up with it? I think sometimes it's maybe because it's all we've ever known or seen. Maybe we've come to believe that um, the, the spiritual life we, we are living in now is as good as it gets. But just that Abraham when he intended that his son Isaac and the generations to follow would have access to all the wells that he had dug. I know our God and our mothers and our fathers and our faith, they also desired that we access all the supernatural flows of life they dug for us. And in many ways, I almost feel like it's our duty to get those wells going again, that to honor the sacrifices they made. We should not just put up with wells that were dug that have been sealed any longer. When I uh, first joined C3 Church, when I came into the church, I came into our Kelowna location. This was 11-ish years ago. Um, and when I, when I went to Kelowna, they already owned a building there. And I discovered, too, they also owned a building in Revelstoke. Buildings had already been purchased. And that's because the people before me did a lot of digging. A lot of prayer, a lot of uh, fasting, a lot of faith, a lot of contending, probably a lot of meetings. <laughs> But what happened is I got to come into a church that owned two buildings, a church that had already been filled with worship, a church where salvation had taken place. And now I live here in Vernon and I'm part of this C3 Vernon family. And I don't know if you know this, but we need a building. That's our own, yeah. right? We need a building. So in Vernon, we need to get um, that supernatural of flow of life going for buildings. Right. But you know what? That is not a brand new well in this church. It's not a brand new well. That ground has been broken, yeah. right? There are spiritual moms and dads and people before us in this church today that have already done intense amounts of digging. And although there is some digging for us to do, those massive boulders, they're already moved. That hard ground was already tilled up once. There's a guarantee that water actually exists. We just need to get it going again. We just need to get it going again. There are generations before us, they dug spiritual wells at deep costs. And because of that, redigging some of these wells is much easier than to do from scratch. But we just need to do a bit more digging to get those wells flowing into our lives again. So how do we do that? This sounds good, but how do we go after some of these wells in our lives and in this church? I see that my go-to helpers who promised they'd help me are not here. So a handsome, sexy husband, could you please, I need you. Yeah, that's right. It's you. Um, could you just pass out some of these spoons and pens? Yeah, that's right. Spoons and pens. All right. So how do we go after some of the wells in our lives and in this church? Number one, identify what you're digging for. 
Where is it you're wanting to make room for God's spirit to break through? Where do you need a God flow? Is it supply and provision? Do you need life in the area of uh, developing kids leaders, perhaps? Specify that. Now, as a disclaimer, I'm not encouraging you to dig for a well simply for something that you want. This is unfortunate, I know. I'm not positive there's a spiritual well for Lamborghinis. I'm not positive there's a spiritual well for defined abs. I have tried that one. I don't know for sure. Again, I don't know how this works. Maybe there is. But I do know that according to the Bible, there is supernatural life flow available for what you need to build God's kingdom. Matthew 7, 9 says this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If we then know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So if you need a fish, ask for a fish, right? If you need some bread, let's ask for a bread. We're going to be specific about what we're digging for. So now what I'd like you guys to do is I, you've got these spoons. Some of them have holes in them, which I did not know when I bought them, which is terrible. Anyways, um, if you know right now, I would love for you to write on the spoon what you're digging for. Where is an area of your life that is dry and diminished and you want to get a supernatural flow of life going there again? If you don't have anything at the moment, worry not. I'm going to keep talking for another couple minutes. But just think about it. And when something comes to mind, maybe it's salvation in your family. Maybe um, it's breakthrough in a certain area. But write that down. Be specific about what you're digging for. What is dry and in need of a well? And once you've identified that, we've got number two. All right, we have got, yeah, I'm looking at you, Sandy. No, <laughs> number two. We have got to build up our faith. We need to work, and this is work, on developing a positive expectation in our spirits. Right? Of believing that what we need already exists. Right? That God has it for you. We just need to acquire it. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. Right? The water's there. We just don't see it. My two-year-old Everett demonstrates faith all the time. When he is hungry, he walks over to his chair, this disgusting blue chair, and he points at it and he grunts. And when he gets in that chair, he sits in it and he looks at me like, why hasn't my food already appeared? I grunted like 12 seconds ago. Where's my three-course meal? So I do not look to my son for patience, but he cannot see the food but he is sure it's coming and he postures himself in a way that makes him ready for what is coming. That's faith. Faith is positioning ourselves in a way to receive from God what we believe is coming, but we just can't see it yet, right? The fridge door might be closed. We can't quite see the food, but that's okay because we know we have a good father who's going to give us what we need to nourish us to grow us, and to help build what he has in store for us. A second principle of faith is that faith leaks. Faith leaks. If you get around faith, it will get on you. So if you're needing to build up faith, you got to get into atmospheres of faith. I know it's our heart that this church become a place where if you hang out here long enough, you can't help but have more faith, more expectation about God moving in your life. 
So you got, you got to feed yourself with faith, with books, with music, or whatever it takes. I, um, I don't know how many of you are into personality stuff. You guys know like the phlegmatic, sanguine. Okay, well, I'm melancholy. I'm melancholy. I know the joy of the Lord has redeemed me a little bit. So thank you, Jesus, for that. But if I went for my feelings, I would solely listen to music that was in minor keys. I honestly don't even know why the other keys exist. Um, my favorite genre of movies are like moody dramas that are like introspective and you like are depressed at the end. Love those. Love those so much. Um, in the last 20 years, I've had more than my fair share of existential crises. Mm, but when I'm needing to build up my spirit, when I need to break into something spiritually and get faith going in my life, I actually can't feed myself with the music I prefer. Right. I can't feed myself with depressing music. I can't even watch a lot of those movies because um, those are not building up my spirit. So even maybe I'll say, hey, this music, the quality is good. The, the musicianship is good. But I need to be building up faith for something in my life. I need faith coming into all my senses to surround myself with faith in every area. I need to feed my spirit with things that are going to increase my expectation for God to move in my life. Oh, yeah, that is good. Whew. Number three. Don't worry, there's only 30 of these. Just joking. We're almost done. Persistent prayer. Ephesians 6, 8 says this. It says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Uh, Jesus, he tells the story uh, of a man who needs three loaves of bread, uh, specific, specific request, three loaves of bread, and he needs them at midnight. There is more backstory to this, but um, anyway, he needs three loaves of bread at midnight. So he goes to his friend's house, knocks on the door, and is like, dude, I need three loaves of bread. Understandably, his friend is like, go away. Like, door dash it. I don't know. Um, but he doesn't give up. He knocks and he goes, hey, I need three loaves of bread. And because he keeps knocking, because he demonstrates persistence, his friend eventually gives up and gives him the loaves of bread. Right? So it's interesting because it's not a friendship issue. They already have relationship. And I think it's demonstrating something with God. It was, it's not a matter of whether we're on a good, good page with God or not. It doesn't matter if we're friends on or friends off with God. But there's an element to persistence that leads to breakthrough in prayer. So when we are trying to get a well flowing in our life, we got to pray all the time. We pray in the morning. We include spiritual digging as part of our dinner prayer. Like, Jesus, thank you for potatoes. Also, we need a building. Like, whatever you got to do, pray out loud, pray in your head, sing your prayers, pray in tongues, pray until something happens. Right? Pray until we hit water. Hey, buddy. Sorry, my two-year-old's looking through the window. Um, as I go into my final point, I would love to invite our musicians back up or musician, whatever happens, happens. Yes, it's like a surprise, a surprise ending. All right, my final point to getting a well going in your life is get others on board. Philippians 2.2, the author writes to a church uh, and he says this, he says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. If you are believing for something, if you are digging for something, get others digging too. It'll go faster and be slightly more enjoyable. Right? Get others praying and believing and building your faith in that area. Right? If you are believing for a well of salvation to flow in your family, tell others who can get on board with you. Right? We need others because they can see things we can't see. 
Yeah, maybe they can even see things that are blocking our wells that we don't see. Like, hey, you're asking for a financial breakthrough, but you mentioned you haven't tithed in a few years. Or, hey, you're saying you're believing for a house, but have you contacted a realtor? Right? We need each other. Josiah and I, uh, we've been working harder on getting our, our kids digging with us for the wells that we're trying to get going. Uh, if you talk to our C3 kids workers, uh, they tell me um, they do a time where they have prayer requests and that, that my daughter uh, aggressively requests, requests for prayer for a building. Like we are all going to pray for a new church building, but we're getting our kids digging. I think their faith is oftentimes far more powerful than mine is. But community is how we were designed to function. This is how we do this together. We dig the wells together. In Psalm 122.1, King David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let's set our alarm and get our butts to church. I told several people this morning, if my feelings went this morning, I would still be in bed. But when I got here, I was like, oh God, this is where I'm supposed to be. This was the right decision. This is the right decision. So we're going to take a moment. I'm going to give you um, another minute just to ask God if, there, if he would highlight the well that he has available for you. The well that is maybe hidden right now, but is available as a life source for you to build God's kingdom. And once you have that, write that on your spoon. I'm just gonna awkwardly wait for a few minutes. That's not true, I'm gonna wait for like 10 seconds. But. Okay, and then once you have that, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Don't worry, I'm not going to have you share what's on your spoon. This is... All right, let's all stand up now. Sorry for communicating vaguely. Thank you, Allie. So this is just a spoon, obviously. I would hope that in your well digging, you're doing more than spoonfuls at a time. But hey, one spoonful is better than none. But this is just a spiritual representation. This is just so we have a physical object to remind us what we're digging for, to remind us not to give up, to remind us that God has something for us, that we are not intended to actually just live in a dry, diminished, thirsty place. We have seasons like that. We have times when we are in the desert, but that is never where God intended us to set up ground and live. Right? Our God is a good God. He has a life. He has things for us to build. He has a community to flourish. So right now I'd ask you guys to hold up that spoon and we are gonna pray that these wells would get digging again. We are gonna pray that there would be forward motion. So right now, God, I first and foremost acknowledge you and your goodness that you have provision and supply for all that we need that your presence is available for us, that you desire to be with us, that in your son Jesus, there is salvation and eternal life. And right now, God, I know there are a lot of thirsty people in here, a lot of tired people, a lot, a lot of people who have been working hard in a dry, diminished atmosphere. But God, I believe that starting today, starting in this hour and in this minute, God, that you would begin to get supernatural flows of life going again, God. 
God, it says that you are the well. And right now we come before you and we draw upon that well, God. I ask God that you would show and reveal people right now what you have for them, what just needs a bit of faith, a bit of digging. And God, would you take these small, insignificant spoons, God, and would you turn this into a force, a force that breaks ground, a force that removes dirt, and a force that gets the Holy Spirit and things moving again, that gets life moving again. God, would we not stay content with our average Christianity anymore? Would we be restless in our desire for more of you? Would we not stay content where we are? Would we not stay content partially thirsty? But would we go after you, Jesus? Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.